Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where books and writing topics are center stage and where authors give voice to the written words. I'm Landis Wade, and on behalf of my co-host, Hannah LaRue and Sarah Archer, we thank you for listening. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey listeners, this is Sarah Archer. Before we get started with today's show, I have a quick word. Charlotte Reader's podcast now has podcast books. It's true, we have two kinds, fiction and nonfiction. Our fiction book is titled Death by Podcasting, co-written by Landis and me. It's a comedic mystery where we make fun of podcasters and writers in the vein of only murders in the building. It was a lot of fun to write, and it's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. We also have eight nonfiction quote books created from over 500 podcast interviews. The Right Quote series is a collection of inspirational and practical quotes about writing, publishing, and book marketing from the first four years of the podcast. The books come with forewords and reflections by Hannah, Landis, and me. They're available in paperback and ebook. And here's a bonus. The first ebook in the series about the writing life can be downloaded for free. You can find links for all nine books at the podcast books page of charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. And if you read our books, thanks for reading. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, listeners, welcome to episode 380 of Charlotte Reader's Podcast. Hannah LaRue here today, and we're talking with Sarah Lynn Brooke, who is the author of Light of the Fire, a great book. I um, finished it in two sittings, I think, which <laughs> that was great, especially oh with a one-year-old. So um, that was, it was very, very good. Uh, Sarah Lynn <laughs> writes contemporary <laughs> book club fiction, which makes complete sense to me after reading this. Um, she's the award-winning author of three novels, so Light of the Fire, which we're talking about today and that comes out in January or I guess at this point it will have come out in January earlier this year um, daytime drama and designer you and when she's not writing she moonlights as a full-time writing and literature professor at a local community college and is originally from Northern California and now lives up in Philly thank you so much for being here Sarah Lynn thanks for having me Hannah yeah I want to talk about California <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I'm I'm sure you get asked that just kind of what you're I feel like for me growing up on the East Coast I can't even imagine yeah. how awesome it would have been to grow up over there. <laughs> it's so funny. Um yeah, I mean and my parents grew up there. So I'm okay. like second generation California, which is a little bit rare. So my both my parents grew up, they went to the same high school in Southern California and then they moved up north to the Bay Area. And, um, and that's where I was born and that's where I was raised. Um, but, uh, but yeah, California has, you know, a a lot of things that people like, like, you know, nice weather and mountains, and then you've got the ocean on the other side. And it, it was a really nice, nice place to grow up for sure. So when did you make it over or when did you leave San Francisco? So uh, let's see, I've sort of bebopped around. So I went to, so I grew up near San Francisco. I went to school in Southern California and then I came back and lived in San Francisco again, moved to Chicago, which is where I met my husband. And then he got a job in Los Angeles. So we moved back to California, down to LA. And then, uh, and he was in the entertainment industry. So it was sort of a natural place to be for that. And then he got out of the entertainment industry and we decided to move to kind of a more vertical city, if that makes sense. You know, like LA is very spread out and it's very flat. And, um, and, 
at that moment, San Francisco and, and still is, is way too expensive for we were two, you know, educators. Um, and we wanted to be kind of close to either one of our families. And since my mom is in the Bay Area, that was kind of out. But his family is out here in New Jersey. So uh, we we visited Philadelphia and we were both like really surprised at how much we loved it. I mean, it's just, it's such an old city. It's, you know, obviously it's the, one of the birthplaces of, of this country. It was just, there's just so much history here. And I love, you know, it sounds so funny because we live in a house that's really old and this is, this is the house would never you would never find this house in California because everything is much newer, you know? Um, But anyway, but it was, uh, it was a good move for us. You know, it was definitely a good move for us um, because we've really fallen in love with Philadelphia since we've been here. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I was telling Sarah Lynn just before we hopped on my sister-in-law and uh, their family live up there and we love visiting that area. It does feel really historical and, it's almost like, I mean, do you feel like when you kind of bop around the city, you have sort of a lot of writing inspiration, just even living there? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> My first book was inspired from, you know, just our neighborhood alone. Um, and and actually, one great thing about Philly, it's a city full of people who love to talk. And we're all, you know, taking public transportation. We're all just kind of, you know shoulder to shoulder with each other, you know, it's, that's kind of how it is in a bigger city. And these are people who love to talk, love to share. They will strike up a conversation with you, you know, standing in line at the post office or stand, you know, you know, as you're, you know, rubbing up against each other at the, you know, on the train or something. And, um, and I just find it kind of endlessly inspiring, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, big cities will do that, you know, and I, I love visiting Philly. I love Philly and I love New York City and like L.A. I I mean, you kind of hit a lot. Chicago, you've hit a lot of the big cities. No Chicago's wonder Chicago's a great city. <laughs> I love and my daughter is now there. She's going to, to ah. school there. So, yeah, it's no Chicago is a wonderful city. Yeah, it's not too far from me right now. I think it's like four and a half hours from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And we keep saying yeah. we're like, we need to go up there and just check it out. Um, I'm curious to hear about the writing community in Philly. Is there Have you joined any kind of um, writing groups in the area? Or what are some of the resources that you found in the Philly area for writers? Yeah, actually, um, where I teach, I, I teach up in Bucks County. Um, and okay. there's a huge writing community up there and there's a lot of, um, a lot of poetry up there and a lot of it is tied to our school. So I teach at Bucks County Community College and there's a very strong writing community just tied to the school and the, and the outstanding community. But in Philly itself, um, when I moved here and started writing, um, there were a few groups that you know, that I would meet with. And it was mostly, there was one critique group, you know, it was a large group and we would meet at a church in Old City uh, once a month. And then they went online and I kind of fell off of that. But there's another group that meets up on the main line and they, <laughs> and the dogs they, are coming in. <laughs> the dogs are coming. Hi dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Big fans. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but they're meeting in person again, and they really just talk, kind of just talk shop, which I, which is really fun for me because 
my husband doesn't necessarily want to be talking about writing and publishing 24-7, whereas I could, you know, I, lit- I literally yeah. could. And so it's really nice to be able to talk with people who are kind of going through the same things or some people who are a little bit ahead of you or some people who are a little bit behind and just, you know, kind of share advice and share information and cheer each other on. And that's the kind of thing that's been really, really nice um, locally. And of course, I found stuff, you know, found groups online, a lot of groups online, but, um, but yeah, locally I've, I've found a few, a few good groups. That's really great. I feel like being a, you know, an educator as well, just in the field, you probably, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you kind of get a, have a chance to stay more on top of everything happening in the publishing industry, just through your role at the school? A little bit. Um, I feel like because I teach mostly composition courses, um, I teach, Uh, also technical writing and I do teach some um, creative writing too because a lot of these are kind of beginning classes Um, I'm doing most of the research outside of school and bringing it to my students Mm -hmm. Um, some of the other faculty members are you know will share information which is really fun and we'll come to each other's events and buy each other's books and that and I love doing that kind of stuff Um, but I feel like most of the information that I've found really useful, I've found outside actually of my academic community. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's I know it's, it's surprising. It's, it's surprising to me too, but, um, but I think it's because we were just talking about how quickly things change Uh and you would know as a publicist, like it's just, you get, you know, as far as a writer, I am get I am desperate for information and I will grab it wherever I can get it basically you know and sometimes it may come from you know my colleagues and I talking about you know talking shop and stuff but most of the time it'll be from you know the Women's Fiction Writers Association Facebook page you know it'll be something like that or it'll be my fellow Lake Union authors will be sharing information about what's yeah. helpful right now um, whereas you don't necessarily get that in an academic setting. Right. Well, that kind of keeps things exciting too, you know, like you've got it's a always kind of exciting. different. That's, that's publishing for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's one word for it. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> I like your uh, mindset there. <laughs> I agree though. I think it is exciting, you know, but all right, let's talk about your book. Um, so at the, at the point where we are recording this, it's not quite mm-hmm. out yet, but it mm-hmm. will be out in January. Can you give us mm-hmm. just a brief overview of the story? Yeah, so uh, the book is called Light of the Fire, and it centers around two estranged high school best friends, Um, and they were soccer teammates as well, and they are forced to kind of face this 20-year-old secret, um, this 20-year-old accident that they kept a secret, and that subsequently kind of destroyed their friendship. And now circumstances have brought the two back together in their hometown, and they have to decide to what extent they're going to keep the secret or to let the cat out of the bag and face the consequences. And the story is and ends up, I mean, I understand it, it takes place kind of in the soccer world, a lot, a lot of it is, but it's really about friendship and about healing from past mistakes. Right. And like I said, I read this super fast. Um, I think something that you... That's awesome. Thank you for reading. Yeah, no, it was amazing. And I think something that you did really well, and that's really difficult for a lot of writers to do, is you kind of merge genres a little bit. Um, So, you know, you have the mystery 
kind of aspect to this like how did the fire happen because that's kind of the mm-hmm. accident you open up with um at the beginning of the book and um you know who said it like some there's one character who is you know been convicted of that crime and it's kind of we're mm-hmm. kicking off the book with saying all right well maybe it's not him um so the whole book we're sort of like unpacking that and then there's also the storyline like you were mentioning with your um the two characters who are friends that have kind of fallen off Beth and Allie um so how did you do that exactly how are you able to kind of keep your brain (laughs) separated as far as like plotting the mystery out and also kind of focusing Mm -hmm. on this friendship yeah I really wanted to do something that was um a little bit more plotty Mm -hmm. this time um and I like a mystery element. I just, it was kind of a new challenge. So I think for this one, it was a really careful plotting out ahead of time what all of the beats were, making sure that I knew what ending I was working toward so that when I sat down to write the pages, I wasn't just like making it up, you know, off the cuff. It was, you know, I was really kind of connecting the dots in a lot of ways. And, And all of that took... All of the plotting took a lot of time, you know, and the actual drafting of the novel uh-huh. took less time. Okay. Yeah. That's, it's always interesting for me to hear about process when it comes to, I like the term plotty too. I know, me too. <laughs> I love, I love hearing about other people's processes. Yeah. It's so interesting because, <laughs> you know, for me, I can just, and, um, I, I when I'm reading a book, I, I feel like I'm definitely more, I mean, I write nonfiction, but when it comes to, I love reading fiction stories and it's so unbelievably amazing to me how, you know, authors can just create these worlds in their brains. And I like how you just said too, um, you were kind of connecting the dots as you were writing. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think as a reader, especially when it comes the mystery element, that's sort of what you're doing throughout the whole book. And mm-hmm. that's how you can kind of tell, oh, this is a good mystery because you can feel your brain kind of working. <laughs> working its way toward that end goal. Yeah. And I guess <laughs> with that said, did you feel like your characters kind of like, do you feel like your characters hang out with you in the world at all? Like when you're just doing things? Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. That's so funny that you asked that because I do miss certain characters, mm-hmm. you know, like I do like them. Um, like I like, <laughs> I like Beth and Allie. And it's so funny when I, one of the f- earlier iterations of the book, I gave it to m- uh, my critique partners and one of them came back and said, I really hate Allie. And I was like, what? You're crazy. Are you serious? I love her. And she's a little bit spiky. You know, I like that. I like kind of like that in person anyway. But, um, but anyway, but, uh, but that was helpful. You know, it was helpful uh, feedback. But <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. She, that was a direct quote. She listens to this. She's going to know I'm quoting her. So but um, did you take the yeah. advice? Did you change her or did you kind of tweak her? You know what? Character? I did. I got, I got lots of advice. And in, in fact, my editor was telling me that she was a little bit Um, that she was a little bit too spiky and there were some areas that I could kind of soften her up a little bit. And so I did. Um, Because I agree. I I don't want her to... um, I don't want her to be not not unlikable because I... I I don't know. I kind of... I don't like that. I, I don't mind an unlikable character. Yeah. But um, but I didn't think that's what she was. I didn't think that she was unlikable. I really love that character. Um, I like both of them a lot. But yeah, as far as like, you know, wanting to hang, they definitely, you know, take up 
space in my head for, you know, a long time. And it's, and it's hard to let them go sometimes. Oh, for sure. I think that's also another, you know, indication that you're writing a meaningful story to you is when your characters kind of live with you on a daily basis. Um, you know, you think yeah. about reading one of your favorite books or watching a TV show. I feel like at the end of it, you're like, oh, I really miss these characters a lot, even, you know, as a reader as well. So, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. it's funny you mentioned Allie because, well, you know, her and Beth, she and both both are very complex characters, and a lot of that mm-hmm. has to do with their history together and what happened with the fire mm-hmm. and kind of where their lives have taken them. But Allie, you know, she is an interesting character. I think you kind of set her up at the very beginning of the book with, um, you know, she has two teenage daughters and she finds out she's pregnant. So, you know, yep. <laughs> can you just talk about the process of developing, like how you chose her path? And I guess, yeah. Yeah, I think I kind of knew right away that she was she was a young mom. Um, and and that can be a really difficult place, space to be in. You know, so if you imagine you're 20 and you're pregnant, you know, you don't end up sticking around at college. You end up marrying a guy probably too young. And, um, and I kind of wanted to, and I, that was not my background. You know, I got married when I was 29 and had a kid when I was 32, you know, so, uh, pretty, pretty average, but, um, but I really wanted to kind of see what it was like to, to get into the headspace of a mom who was both a young mom and also kind of an older mom, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like see what it was like to straddle that because I was smack dab in the middle of that, you know, when I had my daughter and to see that with, um, to explore that idea with, with that character I thought was, for me was really fun. Yeah. And I think something that you kind of get out of that as the reader is, you know, you can be multiple things at once. Um, so you yes. can be like five different people at one time with all of these different yes. experiences, which is super, yes you know, relatable to everybody, really. So, I mean... Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And then it was also the time when I was writing it, my daughter was in high school, and so I was already thinking... And we just have one. And I was already thinking, oh, God, what's it going to be like with an empty nest? Like, what is that going to feel like? And then what are the things that you look forward to? And then what are the things that you're going to miss? And so I... So I really wanted to explore that idea as well. You know, like she already had like, she's such a planner. So I just wanted to see like, you know, with her, like this is what she's trying to gear herself up for, which is what you're doing. And you're creating these expectations and then whammo, you got a baby on the way, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Which is a big thing. And I think I actually related to her a lot um, throughout the story because my daughter is one. Um, so I feel like that feeling of finding out you're pregnant and like how your life is going to change is very fresh. Um, you know, I, I remember that very well. <laughs> oh, and yeah. it's the best thing ever. Me too. You know? Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's something that really leaves you, especially as a woman who's going to be giving birth or has given birth. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, uh, which I guess again, like it, it kind of ropes in a whole other kind of like mini story inside of everything else that's going on with this. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really, I loved that that was kind of her 
thing that was her journey that was kind of how we kick off with Allie um let's shift over to Beth for a second so Mm -hmm. you know we kick things off with her she gets a concussion and she's still kind of in her shocker um world and so can you talk a little bit about her story and just and I'm, I'm curious to know too these are kind of two separate questions um a little bit but the soccer world, you know, you mentioned it's a huge part of this book. Like what was that yeah. the decision to kind of have that involved as well? <laughs> <laughs> so that, um, uh, that's a good question. It, it, the reason why is because I've played soccer my whole life, basically. And my daughter has also played. So I, I was never great or anything like that. But, I, you know, I played through high school. And then I took a backup after I had Virginia and so I played as, you know, a kid and a teenager. And then I also played as a bona fide adult. And in fact, I didn't even quit until a few years ago. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah. Good for you. <laughs> I really shouldn't be playing. Well, sort of. My ankles <laughs> would think otherwise. But, <laughs> but <Athletes. laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> but I, I miss it, actually. I miss it. So I have... This experience is both like a player and as a soccer mom, you know, like we spent when my daughter was playing, that was every single weekend was, you know, going to games. I was actually writing this book in the parking lot of her soccer practices, you know, or indoor at a gym if she had indoor soccer practice. Yeah, I know. It was so it was just it was such a huge part of my life. And so it almost felt like, oh, when am I not, you know, I have to write a book about soccer. I have to write a book about uh, girl athletes, you know? Oh my gosh. And Beth, you know, was a professional athlete. And it turns out, even though I have spent my whole life playing soccer, pretty much, there's a lot about this sport I didn't know. And so I had to talk to people who actually played it at a really high level to understand, you know, what it was like, what their lives were like, which are very, very different. Yeah. Um, from mine certainly yeah oh my gosh it's crazy I love the soccer element because um, this was definitely clearly like a book for me because my dad played professionally in Scotland um no kidding yeah when he was oh that is so cool yeah and he actually and then he played at UNC at a full ride to Chapel Hill when they moved over here and I feel like soccer was just a big part of my world um and it's a part of a lot of people's world you know it's like such a Mm -hmm. especially now like the it's a lot of American people are kind of tune, turn it, tuning into the World Cup and like all of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was cool to read a story where that was kind of something else that was a part of it. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do any kind of research at all into the game or was it purely based off of your, you know, experiences playing? The game itself, I know pretty well. Okay. But, um, but the life of a professional soccer player I knew nothing about. And so I reached out to um, I reached out to a player who played for the U.S. women's national team. Um, yeah, back in the early aughts, Kat Whitehill, and she played defense. And she was so nice. And she answered all of my dumb questions about, you know, just stuff like, you know, what's your schedule? You know, the day-to-day yeah. schedule stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, they don't work out every day necessarily. They need those days off where they just – you know, lays around and they really have to pay attention to what they eat and, you know, and how many times, you know, I wanted to know like how many times a day do you go to practice and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what does it look like on the off season? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and how do you make money? You know, like, like all that stuff. 
That's a good question. I mean, I, I know. Uh, I think they're, it's getting better. I think it's definitely think so. getting better. But I mean, but a lot of times they actually have to play all year round and they'll play, you know, they'll play here and then they'll go over to Europe or they'll play in Africa or Australia. And it ends up, they end up getting injured because they don't get like a solid like three or four month break, you know, or at least they didn't before the you know the the teams here the the um, professional teams here they're doing a lot better you know better with getting them uh paid more and you know so that they don't have to do stuff like that but still i i think like the women's sports it still is so far behind the men's and that they just don't really get a break and then it ends up their careers end up shortened because of it oh my gosh i know the athlete's life i mean even watching most sports, you know, you're kind of watching, just thinking like we're big NFL, uh, Sunday people in my house. And I feel like we're always watching it. I'm like, how are these guys still like breathing right now? You know, it's crazy. (laughs) I mean, soccer, it's a pretty intense sport too. It's like, Oh, it's so crazy. So, Hey listeners, this is Sarah Archer with a brief request. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a short online review wherever you like to listen. Better yet, please tell your friends. If you do both, you get extra credit. Seriously, though, listeners learn about new podcasts by our views and words of mouth. So when you help us spread the word about Charlotte Readers podcast, more people meet our author guests and more readers and writers share our love of reading and writing. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. We would love it if you could share a reading from the book. If you have one. Sure. So I'm going to just start at the very beginning. I'm going to read the prologue, which basically um, starts off with with the big accident that happened. So this is what... Um, you know, this is, this starts off the whole secret that they're keeping and, um, and it starts off when they're still in high school. So this is 20 years before the rest of the book. Okay. Fillmore High School 20 years ago. The first explosion, them, the first explosion caught them both by surprise. The girls' nervous giggles had masked the warning that hissed from behind the last row of lockers as they bolted out of the boys' locker room and toward the gym. The boom reverberated from the adjacent locker room and blasted through the open double doors, sending the girls tumbling onto the polished wooden floor of the gym. Dazed, Beth found herself lying on her side, her head spinning. She pushed her long hair from her face and tried to get her bearings. Just a few feet away, Allie rose slowly and propped herself up on her elbow. She swatted at Beth, mouthing something. Beth grimaced and shook her head. Her ears were screaming. She couldn't hear a word Allie was trying to say. Allie glanced back at the gaping doors and Beth followed her gaze. A sudden orange glow burned from deep within the locker room, followed by another, smaller blast, which blew heat and black smoke through the doorway. Allie ducked. Her eyes watered, and she pulled the neck of her sweatshirt up to shield her nose and mouth. Beth felt like she was trapped in a ringing bubble of hurt. Sweat trickled down her back as she gingerly rose to her knees. Suddenly, the immediate danger they were in dawned on both of them. The girls' eyes met, and together they understood one thing. They must get outside before the entire structure burned to the ground. Run. Allie grabbed her backpack as they scrambled to their feet and sprinted toward the nearest exit. When they reached the door, Beth turned her head. Flames had reached the gym and wholly consumed the janitor's closet, no doubt aided by the cocktail of cleaning chemicals stored in there. 
And now we're eating away the 80-year-old wood floor, licking up the Art Deco windows, and approaching the New Deal era mural that spanned the entire North Wall. Nearly a century of school sporting events, dances, graduations, assemblies, and rallies erased by one prank by two stupid teenage girls. Allie yanked Beth through the exterior doorway to the athletic field where a rush of cool nighttime air hit their faces. Beth's ears crackled to life again, the high-pitched ringing now relocated to background, but still present, noise. Coughing and sputtering, the girls reached the track and football field and looked behind them at the burning structure. Beth watched in horror as the flames consumed the building. Heat pierced the crisp fall air, warming her face even from this distance. The wails of sirens from afar got louder as they closed in and mirrored her own rising panic. Bedroom lights flickered on in the surrounding neighborhood. The girls shared a knowing glance. They needed to get out of there. Tears wet Beth's cheeks as she and Allie disappeared into the darkness. Such a great way to kick things off. You pretty much tell the reader exactly what we're going to be trying to figure out. <laughs> it's, it was a good Yeah, hook. start off with a bang, right? <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite kind of thing. Um, one more thing before we jump into some like uh, writing chit chat. Uh, we have yeah. another character in the book, Jordan, who I found really yeah. interesting. You know, you have, so you have, you tell this story from three points of view. So we have Allie and Beth, mm-hmm. and then we have Jordan, who is the son yeah. of the purse of the man who was, you know, convicted of the fire crime. Um, he was blamed. Yeah. Yeah. So he was the one that was blamed for it. And, we, you know, I kind of, I loved reading his point of view a lot. Um, so why did you decide to kind of bring his, bring him in to this story and speak from his experiences as the, you know, as someone who is directly involved? Yeah, that's another good question. I initially didn't, I initially didn't have him as a POV voice. I really wanted to make it just Beth and Allie's story. And as I got further into it, and I realized that, you know, that the relationships that he had, that he was, you know, formerly part of this, he's also kind of an outsider coming in, um, just like Beth is. Um, he had his own story to tell, and his POV really pushed the plot along in ways that I wasn't really expecting. And and I really liked it. I really liked his point of view coming in at times, you know, giving us information that maybe Beth and Allie didn't have and then vice versa, yeah. you know, and that kind of playing with that was was really fun. And I thought kind of pushed the story forward in, in the way that it needed to be. That's great. I love that. I think, um, yeah, you know, a very intentional character in that way. I think that's really, mm-hmm. you can kind of feel that while you're reading him. Um, mm-hmm. I loved this. This was such a great story. Um, I'm excited to see Thank sort of, you. and you know, I, I agree that this would be a really great book club uh, book because there's so many different little topics and like sub stories and um themes that you can kind of dissect which to me is like my favorite kind of book club read um yeah so i really loved it me too. something i wanted to ask you about i know you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in this conversation you you could talk about publishing all day same um <laughs> same so we might have to have another episode fully about that with you or something but um i wanted to see so you have you published this book with lake union which is an amazon amazon's traditional publishing house is that right? 
Yeah. What was mm-hmm. that experience like? I've never spoken with an author who's published through, and I actually only recently learned about their traditional publishing house, which is, oh, really? yeah, I only just le- learned about it. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear about your experience, um, your publishing journey with them. Yeah. I mean, it's been great. I've loved working with them, but, but they have, so yeah, this is their, so Lake Union is kind of their book club, women's fiction imprint. But they also have other imprints too. They have romance and they do thrillers. They do lit fic. Um, and so, and I think they have a children's arm too. Um, so it's actually quite, it's yeah. a pretty massive, yeah, it's a massive deal. Um, but anyway, but working with Lake Union has been totally dreamy. Um, I've loved working with them. I mean, my favorite part in in the process is really working with, a developmental editor so being able to talk about this story that I've been working on for the past year or two you know and then yeah. working on it with someone who's it's they're you know like it's it's important now to them too you know which is like it's just the coolest thing ever um and then you know they also have you know I worked with copy editors I worked with proofreaders and they even um you know, we were talking about the the cover design. They they asked my opinion about the cover design, uh, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've gotten that. I've worked. My first two books were with small publishers, and they, they let me in on that decision um, too, which was so so nice. So I've heard you know horror stories of people, you know, at huge presses who don't like their covers, you know, um, and they didn't get a say in it. So, um, I can't say that I haven't had a say in my book covers, uh, so far. Um, and I even got to listen to, you know, help pick the voices for, so I have three voices because I have three point of view characters for the, the audio book. Um, I know it was so cool. I can't wait to hear the whole thing, but, um, yeah, that was like incredible. I, I love my editor there. I've loved everybody that I've worked with that, at uh, Lake Union so far so it's oh, been it's been really nice that's amazing that is such a cool thing I I, I think that's like such a valuable um, you know journey to kind of share with our listeners we have a lot of readers and writers as well and I, I yeah. was at a um, writing conference several weeks ago and I'd heard about the Amazon publishing how they had their own traditional leg and I was just like wow mm-hmm. That's amazing. You know, it's, it's really great. I think, um, especially considering it's a, it's a powerhouse <laughs> for online marketing. Um, yeah, that's true. Did you, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. <laughs> did you have to, did you have an agent that pitched you to them or was it very, was it pretty much like it would be for any, you know, Berkeley or anything like that? So, yeah, so I have an agent. So after my second book came out, um, I, I just found that I didn't, it wasn't that I was opposed to working with small presses. Um, I like small presses. Um, I just didn't want to be doing this whole thing by myself. So I just wanted help. I wanted support. I wanted, you know, somebody to help me, you know, figure out who to submit to. Um, You know, I have a full-time job and, you know, and I have a lot of other stuff going on. I just really wanted an agent to help out with that. And I ended up getting an agent. Um, and she is, she ended up submitting to Lake Union and that's who who we ended up going with. So, yeah. So it was thanks to my agent, um, that we got that deal. Amazing. 
Okay, I think I have time for maybe one more question. And um, you, know, you, yeah. you just mentioned that uh, you know you've got a lot going on, and, and even writing writing this book in the uh, parking lot at your daughter's <laughs> soccer practice. So how do you make time for writing with your schedule? Yeah, I, it's I because I schedule. So n- now that my daughter's in college, it's really kind of freed things up a bit. But I get my writing done first thing in the morning. So the first thing that I do is I go get my coffee um, and I'll check my email and then it's writing time. Um, And then once I get to a certain point, you know, it could be a word count or it could be a number of chapters if I'm editing or right now I'm working on a book proposal. So it'll be, you know, getting to a certain point in the book proposal and, um, and then I'll go for a run. Um, and then I'll come back and sometimes I'll work on it a little bit more because sometimes the run like literally like loosens things up in my brain. Um, (laughs) 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 and then, um, and then after that I'll, I'll work on other stuff. So, you know, it's like papers are going to come in, come in and I'm going to grade them no matter what, you know what I mean? It's like, I'll, always have even if I'm up until 10 o'clock if I have papers that I've promised to return to students those are going to get done whereas if I got my papers done first and my writing done second I might I might not get that done you know what I mean it's like when you're sort of promising people in, and you're getting a paycheck yeah. every two weeks you know it's it those are those are things that are just going to get done you know whereas writing can sometimes kind of fall by the wayside so I just get it done I just schedule it in first thing in the morning now I love that I think you know as a writer one of the best things you can do and I think you know talking with writers of all sorts of genres and different publishing oh, paths, yeah. all sorts of you things do. you know you, you hear the same kind of the best advice I think is that of like looking at your writing as your promise to yourself you know you're you make that promise to yourself it's you're your own client you know so yeah uh, I think it was I love that yeah and I think it was um Elizabeth Gilbert who said um might have been in Big Magic she was like you know I get I have two productive hours a day who's getting those two hours (laughs) is it me or is it anything else so um I think that's great you know writing in the morning just doing it first thing getting it done and that's it (laughs) And then that's it. Moving on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, uh, Sarah Lynn. This was awesome. I, I've loved talking with you, and I hope everyone goes out and gets a copy of Light of the Fire. Thank you so much. This is really fun, Hannah. Hey, folks, as we wrap up another episode, we just want to say thank you for listening. Um, we appreciate you being here, and we hope you enjoyed the show. We also hope you'll join our community. To do that, feel free to poke around our website, charlotteleaderspodcast.com. Um, The best way to stay in touch is to sign up for our twice-monthly newsletter, and you can do that via the contact page on the website. We won't spam you. That takes way too much time. We're not going to do that. You can also use our website to read our community blog and show notes, submit an elevator pitch to be played on the show, submit a blog post, give us feedback, submit to be on the show, become a Patreon supporter, and to see what's coming up on the show next, order our podcast books, or listen to previous episodes. So many things, and the best part, it's all free. Until the next episode, this is Hannah LaRue, and on behalf of Sarah Archer and Landis Wade, read on, ride on, and rock on.